It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now here's Eric Lutie. Some of you are familiar with Daily Thunder. Some of you uh, may not be. But uh, this is happening every morning now. Uh, And every morning at 8.15 in the chapel. So even when you're home, you can stream this. And if you miss it, we have a podcast uh, for it. So everything will be captured. But uh, throughout the week, uh, there's going to be themes that we're constantly developing. So uh, Nathan, for instance, on Tuesdays and Thursdays is going to be going through Ephesians on Tuesday, and he's going to be going through a Bible survey, sort of a global Bible survey on Thursday. I'm going to be going through something called uh, the... Glossary of the Gospel. Is that, I don't know if that's what I ended up calling it or not, but uh, the Glossary of the Gospel, going through all the key concepts of when you enter into the kingdom of heaven, what do you need to know? What do you need to understand? And most of us have never been introduced to a glossary of the gospel. And then I have another one that's called the Gospel Toolkit. So I think the Glossary of the Gospel is on... Mm, is that just... Boy, I can't remember how I, I broke it. I just spent the whole day yesterday... Okay, so Monday and Wednesday are the glossary, and then Friday is the toolkit. And then Saturday is special guest. Isn't that fun? Aren't you intrigued to see who that is going to be? Could you imagine it's Nathan or me? It's not very special. And then Sunday uh, each week, that's the one difference is Sunday, I think it'll still stream at 8.15, but technically we don't know how it's going to work yet. We have to do it at 7.15, so that'll be an early morning uh, for us. So if you happen to be on campus, make sure you show up at 7.15. But uh, the concept is sort of keep, to keep the fire burning in the temple, uh, just to keep it stoked. And church for many of us is once a week, uh, just like when we were, t- yesterday was a national day of prayer. And it always sort of bothers me. It's not that I don't think it's great that everyone rallies to pray. It's just that isn't every day a national day of prayer? And so it, it always sort of uh, there's a low-level disturbance in me that when we make an event over prayer, when it's just like, isn't this the life that we live? And so that's the beauty of what this is going to be. It's going to be somewhat of a daily church, and not the fullness of church, but it's that one dimension of the preaching of the word mixed with prayer and mixed with worship. And so it's those disciplines, those core disciplines of the body to, that really stimulate life and growth and health. And uh, so just this week has been tremendous. I mean, it's been edifying for me, uh, even if that's the lone benefit. It's like, Eric, why do you do this? For me. Uh, It's been a delight. And so next week, my family will be participating. So we're trying to get our world organized around this. And it's it's quite an adjustment uh, because we fill every moment already. So now it's like, how do we do this? But we're figuring it out. And... uh, very excited. I spent the whole day yesterday, I don't know if I told you this, Nathan, I mapped out uh, all my daily thunders through the end of the semester, so through like July 19th, uh, so I was feeling pretty good. Uh, and uh, and, and I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a huge job when you have at least three a week, and I'll, I'll, I didn't map out my Sunday mornings, so those are still lingering. Uh, I shouldn't have told myself that. Now I still have something lingering. But uh, very excited. Let's just set this time in God's hands. Uh, Today is a very significant day. 
uh, with a lot of alumni arriving into town, and I just want us to be expectant. Father, lead us. We just ask that you would take each of us by the hand and uh, lead us forward down your narrow way. Lord, we choose that way. We forsake the broad way, and we choose your way. We choose your way, though it leads to a cross, though it leads to a grave, though it leads uh, to difficulty and trials and sorrows and sufferings, but it also leads to you. It leads to the fullness of life, the abundance of life. It leads to life eternal, everlasting. It leads to intimacy with the Most High God. We choose you over an easier life. We choose you over the applause of men. We choose you over the comforts of this world. We choose you over everything. For you are worthy, deserving. And Lord Jesus, we desire to bring a smile to your face this morning as we congregate to hear your word, to know you better, uh, to pray to you and to worship you. Lord, lead us in this time. Amen. Holding the high ground. That's a term in war, and in every terrain of battle, there is territory that both sides go after, and that's the high ground, because you have better vantage point, and when you hold the high ground, it puts you in a defensive position instead of an offensive position, and I know that sounds, it might sound like it'd be better to be in the offensive position, but technically in battle, you fight better when you are defending something as opposed to when you're trying to take something. And uh, as Christians, we do both, but when it comes to the human soul, we want to make sure we have the high ground. And so one of the famous uh, quotes in uh, Gettysburg, it's uh, John Buford is commanded, uh, Buford, hold the high ground. Uh, famous quote, famous thing, because it changes the course of American history. Uh, Buford holding the high ground uh, in this battle causes a Union victory and then you know, subsequent events that take place lead to the United States we live in. And so this idea of high ground, in each of our souls, if I said to you, I replaced your, your name for Buford, and I shouted at you, and I said, hold the high ground. In your natural man's strength, you are unable to gain the upper hand in your body. You are a defeated foe, and you are unable, no matter how hard you claw, no matter how hard you try and reach that high ground, that stronghold of the devil, he has you in what's called the power of sin. And he rules this territory. And as a result, he's winning the battles. And so you do not have the mustard to be able to overcome his point of control. Which is why the gospel is so significant. Because it binds the strong man and spoils his goods. And it takes the high ground. So as Christians, what we inherit is a victory we inherit the ability to take the high ground, get this, and keep it. And so this is what I want to talk about uh, in our short time together this morning, is holding the high ground. So the word in the Greek is egrateia, typically translated self-control. Now sometimes it's, it's translated temperance, depending on your translation. But there's a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to the idea of self-control, because if I were to say, how does self-control work? You'd say, well, I guess self is controlling. I mean, that would be a good way of guessing. And you're sort of right. Uh, self-control is not actually you 
just deciding one day, you know, I'm going to control my body. I'm going to control my thoughts. I'm going to control my life. It's out of control, so I'm going to bring it into control. Well, that would be nice, and if, if that was the case, we would not need a gospel. You see, the gospel is recognizing that self is out of control, and self has no ability to control the body. And so Jesus comes in and makes a way to rectify what is wrong in the body. Because self is controlled. The flesh, the old man, the old life, the principle of sin is in control of the body. And self has, in exalting itself, remember that one seat uh, that it sits in, uh, the throne, and it says, hey, this is all about me. And as a result, self is controlled. Self is controlled by sin. And so the idea of self-control is, a, is an odd term, and that's why I'm going to unpack it just briefly here. So the word egretea, I, I like to use the term the egretean growl, because this is a fighting idea, and self-control doesn't sound as much like a uh, type of muscular activity as it really is. This is a combat point, and you have to have a certain growl in your soul to go after that high ground in the first place and say, hey, this belongs to Jesus Christ, and then you keep it. And so it's a fighting stance. And if any of you have uh, seen that illustration, I, I think I do it with the guys. I don't know if I do it with the girls in here, but where I'll have a guy stand up. Did any of you guys get that? Get to, oh, Craig was? Uh, sorry about that, bud. Did you, were you one of the guys that didn't fall backwards, though? Oh, you were just there for it. You weren't the, the one shoved. So I'll have a guy stand up, and maybe I should do it to Craig since uh, he you know, is, is saying that now. Uh, and then I'll come up without telling him, and I'll shove him. And then, of course, as the story goes, it's, except for once, uh, the guy will fall back into his chair. This, other, this one time I shoved a guy, and he went like this. It was like, what? It, what was, you're not allowed to do that. It sort of messed up my illustration. So you shove the guy, and he falls back into his chair. And for a guy, that's a big deal, okay? That's like, whoa. And the guy even sort of wants to get up and punch me. It's like, you've got to be kidding. You can't do that. And my point was, <clears throat> you know, it's like I ask him, why did he fall backwards? Because like, you didn't tell me you were going to shove me. And that's exactly the point I want to make is the Bible actually tells us the devil's going to shove us. And so if you know, so then I have them stand up again. They're a little wary of what's happening. And I said, now I am going to shove you. What are you going to do different? What's interesting is because they position themselves. And that is how we as Christians are, com are commissioned to live. We're commissioned to live ready and in position. And that's what this word indicates. And that's the growl. It's the egretean growl that says, oh, you're going to push me? All right, I'm ready for you. However, we can't be ready in and of ourselves. We need to be ready in Christ. And that's the power of the gospel that is very significant. So when the Egretean growl goes missing, which is most of humanity, okay, they do not have a position against the enemy. They're passive. They are victims to what the enemy desires to do in their life. Listen to what it says in Proverbs. He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Well, that's a pretty helpless city. What if the enemy wants to move in on that city? Well, there's no resistance. That's precisely the way humanity is functioning today. We are not in position with walls of a city built. So how do we rule inside our own lives? Is it even possible? You see, outside of Christ, you can have human discipline, and it goes to a certain degree of effectiveness. But when it comes to spiritual matters, when it comes to the matters of the heart and the mind, you actually have no power to control yourself. It's a very helpless feeling. 
But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Isn't that one of the most depressing uh, scriptures? Now, contextually to understand that to say that no man can rule it does not mean it can't be ruled. Because I can introduce you to a God who can rule the tongue. Which is what's so profound about Pentecost is what you see is God coming in and grabbing tongues. And that is precisely the first signal. This is something that man cannot rule. No matter how hard he says, I will never speak a bad word again. I will never speak an unkind word again. Next thing you know, an unkind word spouts out. And so no man can tame it. It is an unruly evil. But God can. And this is what a Christian is marked by. He's marked, or she's marked by, egreteia, self-control. A church without self-control is a church vulnerable to faction, division, and contention. So if you don't have a church that's ready for the devil to move against it, that church is going to fall to pieces. A Christian without self-control is the devil's tool of choice for invading and destroying the church. So if the devil wanted to harm your family, he's going to look for someone who lacks self-control in that family. If he's going to look to harm a church, who's he going to look for? He's going to look for someone who lacks self-control in that church. So they're going to be quick with the tongue. They're going to be quick to come to judgment and hasty, uh, impatient, uh, frustratable. That's a great way to destroy a church. A husband without self-control is often perverted, angry, domineering, and violent. Ladies, you may not want to marry such a man. A wife without self-control is often lacking discretion, gossiping, slandering, manipulative, and nagging. Men, you may want to uh, watch out for such a woman Uh, to avoid. Uh, (laughs) A father without self-control is often harsh, overreactive, enraged, and abusive. A mother without self-control is often unstable, meddling, overprotective, and indiscreet with her children's secrets. Poor children. A man without self-control is often a sexually polluted, rage-filled mess. A woman without self-control is often a loose-tongued, meddling, manipulative mess. This is the world we live in. And so without self-control, you have mess. Self-control. First, what it is not. So when you think about self-control, I mean, just our our initial default knee-jerk reaction to what it is. It's like, okay, now that I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to be self-controlled. So I need to not look at this. I need to not eat that. I need to not do this. It's self-restraint is the way we look at it. It's like, okay, I am going to decide within my soul not to do these things. I am going to try and command my soul into obedience. This is how we we reason. And so, Paul, just in case you were leaning in that direction, sort of deflates that balloon. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. See, there's our list right there. It's like, yeah, yeah, like that. He goes, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion false humility and a neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. You can't stave off the flesh, the indulgence of the flesh, just by coming up with a list of commands. That isn't actually how you rule the body. Self-control. Now, what is what it is? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Whoa, hold, hold on. Hold on, guys. I see something in that list that looks vaguely familiar to what we're talking about. And the final fruit is egreteia. You see, this is actually a result of the Spirit of God working in you. This is not something you work up. This is something that God works through you. It's very, very important to recognize and to understand 
that this control of self is actually a gift of God. It is a fruit of the Spirit. The two operations of the, of, of the self-control, of self-control. So when it comes to the function of self-control, I'm going to go into a metaphor uh, for you in just a second here, but it's basically to kick something out and to keep it out. And so my illustration that I've used for years is the boxing ring. And so there you are. Remember the old-fashioned boxers? They always did this. I'm not exactly sure who taught them to do that, but that was, that was how they boxed. And when you have a, let's say, a 12-foot behemoth that weighs around 800 pounds, all muscle, and then there's you, and you're around, what, two foot seven? Okay, and you're like, your little high squeaky voice, and you know, that's you. And, you're, and then so suddenly you get the vision of self-control, and that's to, and God says, get that bad guy out of the ring. Okay, so kick him out of the ring, because that's what self-control is. Now, when you, your little scrum, what were you, two foot seven with your high squeaky voice? Oh, and you're boxing like this. And so you're, you're doing your footwork. Your footwork looks pretty good. And you come up, and you swing, and you miss. And then the big, huge foot, 12, I mean, this guy's 12 foot. Did I say the big, huge foot? The big, huge giant who's 12 foot tall, his arms are so long, he comes in and goes, whoop, catches you right, you know, in the, uh, the jaw area, and you lift up, and you fly 40 seats uh, into, the, into the stands, okay? And you have those Tweety Birds going around your head. Who's ruling your ring? The big guy, known as the flesh, okay? The flesh controls this ring. And so then we see the clear command, you need to rule the ring, you need to get darkness out. You need to get sin out of your life. Yet you are unable. The secret to the gospel is not you attempting to take it on in your own brawn. You're two foot seven, two foot seven tall. That doesn't make any sense. You're two foot seven tall. Is that right? Uh, tall frame with your high squeaky voice against the behemoth. Okay? You can't win that match. So what you do is you invite Christ into the ring with you. Now, one of the best ways that I, I liken it to is that he comes up and we sort of use his meaty fist, okay? So he goes, Here, here's, my, here's my boxing glove. And we're like, so I, can I use it? He goes, yeah, you can use it. So when you swing, you swing my arm instead of yours, okay? So we still do something, right? But we're doing it with his strength. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. This is how the battle works. So when we swing his meaty fist, I mean, the flesh goes flying. In other words, the flesh has no ability to stop Christ's power. Christ's power is dominant, and that's how you remove the enemy from the ring. Have you ever heard of the statement, in the authority of the name of Jesus? Yeah, start using it. You see, the devil cannot maintain any ground in your ring when you wield the authority of Jesus Christ. I don't care if you've been doing something, a habit, for 35 years. It makes no difference. You are God's child now, and you have God's power. So, Egretea starts with kicking out the devil, kicking out his strongholds, removing his points of control in your life. Okay? Then... What happens is you're walking around the ring, you know, like this, and you're like, yeah, that's incredible. And you're thinking, this is amazing. I have God power to remove the enemy. Yeah, yeah. But you're in the midst of a battle. 
So it's not just kick him out, now it's keep him out. Because the devil's gonna do all sorts of things. He'll put squirrels in the stands, and you'll be like, squirrel. And you'll look up and you'll see a squirrel, a little shiny object off to the side, you're like, huh, what's that? And meanwhile, the devil is like creeping back. And he's going to push his hand on the ring, on the rope, and he's gonna try and sneak in. However, God is built in. That's why the word temperance is another really good word to describe egritea, because it is like an alarm system. And if you ever get too warm or too cold towards uh, the things of this world or towards God, then what you have is a eh, 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 that will go off. And that's like the devil. The moment he puts his hand on the rope, then there's a eh, 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 and you could be staring at a squirrel over here, but you're like, huh, what's, what's going on? You ever had it where you wake up in the morning? Well, this is a total dad thing, okay? You get up in the morning, you're like, huh? Hark, there's a draft in the house. It's like, I can sense a draft a mile away. And I can also sm sense smells like, uh-oh, there's a dog poopy in the other room. You see, there's that sense, it's egretea, okay? It's a, it's a sensitivity to something foul at work uh, in the Ludi house. And I'm sensitive to it, why? To deal with it. So if there's an open window, what am I gonna do? <laughs> Shut it. If there's a dog poopy on the floor, what am I gonna do? Pick it up and get it out in the trash. You see, we're getting this stuff out. It is not going to invade our home. Egretea, it's an egretean growl. Okay, so you have an alarm system and you need to listen to it. You kick the devil out and then if he tries to sneak back in, it doesn't always sound like that. It's a disturbance in your soul. There's something that's not right. In other words, you watch a movie, and up to this point in your life, that's never been a big deal. But that particular movie, for whatever reason, you feel like, eh, eh, going off. You're like, okay, God, I, I think I'm dabbling in things that are dangerous for my soul. And you immediately correct it. Okay, you don't, you don't justify it, and you don't say, oh, it's no big deal. You listen to that draft. You listen to that alarm going off in your soul, and that's how you keep the enemy out. So the devil rules you. Self-control is Christ coming into your life and now ruling you. You are controlled. Self is controlled by Christ, not by the devil. Okay, now, once self bends its knee to Christ, now self has authority over the body to tell its appetites, to tell its desires what to do. You can actually command the members of your body, your tongue, your thought life, your uh, appetites and desires, you can actually command them what to do. How? In the authority of Christ, and that is self-control. Self is controlled by Christ, and now self has the power in Christ to control its body. It's a fruit of the Spirit, and it's something you should get very excited about. Because most of us try and control our own life in our own strength. But the secret of Christianity is learning how to wield the power of the cross to live this life. Isn't that an amazing thought? I mean, this gets me excited, guys. I mean, you should be more excited than you are. It's way, way too, maybe it's too early in the morning. I'm not sure. But what's getting kicked out? Self gets the boot, and then self is empowered to give the boot. So self gets the boot off the throne bends its knee, and now self is empowered to give the boot. And I should have made it a small s self. Because when self is capital, there's your problem. 
but then it should be lowercase s self still exists. I mean, you're still there. But now lowercase s self is ruled by Christ and now has the authority in this body to give the boot to the devil. Father, I ask that you would work in our lives today. That you would not allow messages like this to go in one ear and out the other. I pray that we would get into position and that we would leverage the authority that we have in Christ's name to kick the devil out. That we would not give one inch to the enemy in our life. And if, even if there's something that's been sitting around for 35 years, it makes no difference. Lord, you have given us the authority to remove it from our life if it is contrary to you. Lord, we ask that you would also train us how to keep the enemy out and that you would train our souls, you would sensitize our soul to that alarm system that you've built in, that you've given us by your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, that we could live lives truly that honor you, that bring glory to you. I pray that in this time of prayer and worship that uh, your name would be lifted high. And Lord, that you would set the stage for what is in store uh, this, today and this evening and this weekend, that it would be an extremely special time, a little taste of heaven on earth with the alumni here. It's in the precious name we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and brave. The Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellerslie campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, or for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon live and in person. Thanks for listening.